The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back for another episode of the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are your analysis team here at Big Blue View, breaking down everything you need to know from the film and also past the headlines so you have a further understanding of more than just the basic level of news coming out for the New York Giants. We are getting really close to the first viewable scrimmage to everybody out there not just people within the media that are allowed to be at practices this upcoming saturday you will be able to watch that game on saturday night so we will be tuning in we will be breaking that down and giving our reactions to various things that we noticed from this fake preseason game pseudo preseason game now just really a a, a inter-squad scrimmage we do have some headlines that we wanted to address and get out there leading up to this scrimmage things that not only we're going to be watching for and paying attention to if they are fulfilled but also how some other things are playing out and if we can possibly get a a stronger tell at the hand of the Giants for various competitions and lineup situations for this roster Chris the first thing here and we got to go right on into this one because It is a a bit of an odd one, one that I don't think either of us expected when we evaluated Cam Brown, and that is a possible switch for Cam Brown to edge. Is is this actually going to happen? The outside linebacker, sixth rounder from Penn State, will he actually end up being an edge rusher? You know, I don't know. That was something when I was working on writing up Brett Bielma's press conference, that jumped out at me, and that kind of made me blink, raise my eyebrows and go, huh? Simple eye test. I can kind of see how a coach could at least want to make th- make an experiment out of that because physically Cam Brown does look like an edge. You know, he's got that length at 6'4", 6'5". He's got athleticism and he really does look like an, a pass rushing outside linebacker should look. But the thing that's weird for me about that is he never really did that in college. You know, when we were talking about him around draft time, we 
both noted he was a space player. He used his athleticism, his movement skills to play in space, to match up with running backs and tight ends and the occasional wide receiver. And yeah, I, I didn't really see him go downhill and get after the quarterback as an edge all that often, if really ever. (laughs) Right. This is such an odd transition because you look at him physically and the traits that he presents to the table He's six foot five, and he was two thirty coming out of Penn State. That length and size, the the arm length, is right where you want it to be for an edge defender. But his weight is just far too low. I would consider to be rushing the passer and holding the edge the edge on rushing plays. If you recall back to the Cam Brown episode when we broke him down and his game down, the things that we spoke on that were his strongest weaknesses were one, he gets washed out too easily by offensive linemen, and he also doesn't do a very good job of disengaging from offensive linemen. Being an edge rusher is all based on being able to disengage, hold your ground, hold the the outside of the line of scrimmage to prevent any rushing plays going out there and picking up huge yardage and then also getting after the quarterback. So I could see this being some type of experimental project that maybe they're enticed by his arm length and his overall size, that they could transition him to a full-time pass rusher. But right now, I would not put much stock into it being an immediate impact type thing. Cam Brown's not very experienced in college, and right now he's not very experienced in the pros as a pass rusher. Just like we didn't see a lot of O'Shane Zimenez in year one, if they're really looking to do this, I don't think Cam Brown is is going to get on the field very much in year one, too. Yeah, and the difference there is that Zimenez was a pass rusher in college. It, granted, it was at Old Dominion, but he did play that defensive end slash outside linebacker edge position. Cam Brown, to me, is a little bit more of a slightly smaller, less athletic Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, And, and I think their roles were pretty similar in college as that long, athletic, off-ball linebacker. And they share a few traits like that, but I really have to wonder how well a a transition to edge would work because it really hasn't worked that well for Carter, at least not yet. Right, that's the other thing, too, that you, you bring into this equation. If you recall, the Giants basically had a guy that they already transitioned a few years ago, that being Lorenzo Carter. He was not really a pass rusher in his time in college. He was an off-ball outside linebacker. And now we have been hoping that they use Carter at his strength position of off-ball outside linebacker with a new defensive coordinator. It seems like they're doing the same thing now with Cam Brown, which is Brown was a good space mover, a decent athlete with good size that looked good as an off-ball outside linebacker in spots. But does he really have what you want? And we argue that maybe his weaknesses are his ability to get off of blocks. Does that make him a suitable pass rusher and edge defender? That is going to be a tough transition for Brown. One that I, I want to see if he actually gets out there and gets the chance to go after some guys and go against some tackles to see how he does this upcoming Friday. Friday. The the other thing I'm looking for on Friday is the whereabouts of undrafted free agent Jaron Williams out of Albany. Chris, this is a guy that we have to talk about because one, 
He is from the school that you graduated from, and I also happen to play against Jaron last season. So this is huge to have an undrafted free agent that they picked up late from the Cardinals and is now already getting into strong rotations with Bradbury and Ballantyne to the point where he might be cornerback three. Is that is that sound right? <laughs> uh, honestly, for me, no. The idea of a UAlbany, a, a Great Dane being third on an NFL depth chart kind of breaks my brain a little bit. You know, when I was at UA, our best sport was basketball and my de- our definition of best was uh, our men's team would occasionally make some noise in the NCAA tournament and our women's team could hang with the UConn women for a minute or two. If I'm being completely honest, our best sports were lacrosse and beer pong. And uh, if beer pong was ever an Olympic sport, the, UAlbany would be a hotbed for it. But football, not as much. So for me, this is this is pretty cool to see a fellow Great Dane on an NFL with a good chance to make an NFL roster. Williams has impressed, though, one that was a ex- pretty unexpected storyline. And I think it begs the question now, is Williams really benefiting from the fact that this is a short-handed group? If you recall from all the issues that the Giants have been dealing with at cornerback, they have been very shorthanded to where they were going out and trying to get Ross Cockrell. That did not end up working out because of a contract dispute. DeAndre Baker obviously gone. Sam Beal opting out of the season. Right now at cornerback, it's it's really very, very thin. The, the It's mostly rookies besides the primary names that we already knew of James Bradbury and Corey Ballantyne. So, Chris, do you think that this is really a case of Williams benefiting from the shorthanded position group? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we you can't really say it's anything but that. And I would, however, put on the caveat that how you get your opportunity doesn't really matter. Back a decade ago, Victor Cruz was an end-of-the-roster guy. You know, in 2011, Tom Coughlin almost cut him. But then Dominic Hickson went down, and Brandon Stokely went down, and all of a sudden, there's this opportunity there at the slot position. And Cruz took it and ran with it. He ran with it a lot. (laughs) And, you know, maybe, maybe Williams is getting that same opportunity where you never expect an undrafted free agent from SUNY Albany to get a chance to not just make an NFL roster, but to act, but to actually be a guy who's in the rotation a lot, you know, maybe even a borderline starter. But if that opportunity comes along, you know, it's up to him to take it. We've got two more storylines that we're paying attention to here before we get to them though. We're just going to take a really short commercial break. Chris, I feel like towards the end of this training camp, all we're going to be talking about is the offensive line. There seems to be competitions at two spots, and we're going to be following that super closely until week one, possibly until game time of week one if they don't want to reveal that information of who's starting at center and who's starting at right tackle just to throw a curveball in that first game. So the the first thing we already touched on 
last episode with the previous scrimmage. This now transitions into this next scrimmage. I need to see how this guy does. Nick Gates is in a good position right now to be the Giants' starting center. There's nothing confirmed yet, but he has not competed at right tackle. That has been a Matt Pert-Cam Fleming competition, and he received a lot of snaps during the scrimmage. If he gets a lot more snaps this upcoming Friday and when we get to see it on Saturday, does that really is that enough to cement our confidence in him as that week one starter? You know, I think I think we still have some time to go until the season starts. The Spencer Pulley has put play on tape. So the coaches pretty much know what they're getting from him. I think the competition for Nick Gates, you know, we know the Giants like him. I think the competition is there at center. I don't think he's really in the competition for the right tackle position anymore. So I think the Giants are going to give him every opportunity to win that job and secure that job. And I think he is going to see a lot of reps with the ones at center just because they know what Spencer Pulley is. Nick Gates is new to the center position, and he might have some athletic upside that Pulley just doesn't have. You know, he, he's a former tackle. He can move well. He probably gives them more options for screens or double teams and working off those double teams up to the second level, just based on his athletic background as an offensive tackle, as opposed to a career interior player. So I think the Giants are going to give Gates every opportunity to win that job and really see what he has, what he can bring. Because, you know, as I said, you know, for the third time, we know who Spencer Pulley is. We know what he's capable of. Right. We we know what Spencer Pulley has done at center and he's struggled. And Nick Gates, conversely, we don't know what he's like as a center. We're going to get to see that for the first time, which is why I'm so focused on this, why I decided, or we decided rather, to bring this up a second time because we, we I want to see what he does at center. It is not a an, just an easy, seamless transition. It's very awkward for some linemen to be able to snap and also then block from a, essentially a disadvantageous position. And the other thing that comes into play with Gates that might things make make things a little bit difficult, you have to consider that he is a former tackle, meaning he is tall. He is I believe around 6 foot 5. There's a reason why centers are typically not that tall. There are guys that have been successful at that height, but what gives some of these smaller centers an advantage is low pad level. Well, with Nick Gates at 6'5", can he stay low enough to compete with these opposing defensive tackles and nose tackles that are firing off the ball very, very low. So th- that is what I'm I'm 100% locked in on, Chris, is can he maintain good pad level despite being a taller center if he ends up being the guy and if he plays most of uh, Friday at center? Yeah, and I think the thing we should watch even beyond the inner squad scrimmages is if Gates does get the starting job, and right now that is if. Yeah, he has plenty of opportunity to win it, he, but Pulley also has opportunity to win it as well. But if Gates is the starting center once the season gets going, he's never had to handle line calls before. So 
will he be able to identify uh, stunts, twists, blitzes, all the games that defenses love to play along the line of scrimmage, especially week one, a team like the Steelers, who have a very dangerous defensive front? You know, will he be able to handle that mental load and make the correct calls? That, I think, is going to be something else to watch, especially as we get our first look at it in the scrimmage coming up. Last thing I got for us, Chris, here, and it's just following along the offensive line storylines that we are going to be so locked in on. I'm very, very focused this this Friday on Matt Parrott and Cam Fleming. It seems like right now it is a battle between the rookie out of UConn and the veteran that they brought in from the Dallas Cowboys. Now, there has been public statements by Joe Judge saying that he's very confident in Cam Fleming and, he, and, he, and he's used him in spots when he was with other teams and having him be able to go out there and be successful. But conversely, you get a lot of upside with putting Matt Paird out there and having him develop and grow and improve as an athlete. So now I, I just want to figure out here, after the scrimmage, I think we'll have a better picture, but who should it really be narrowed down to? Who should it more likely be getting more reps at this point? You know, I think there's a an argument to be made for both. You know, the Giants coaches know what they're getting in Cam Fleming. He, he has been coached by Mark Colombo. He's played under Jason Garrett. Joe Judge knows him from New England. They know him. And if they say they've got confidence in them in him, they probably have a reason. However, as you say, there is potentially tremendous upside there with Matt Parrott, who, you know, we both believe based on his college tape is probably a year away. And I think the outcome of this battle will likely depend on how close or far away the Giants coaches believe him to be. You know, if they think they can really ramp up his development and make use of what is a very weird year to get him to to get Parrot to be a really every down, every game starter sooner rather than later, then I think they'll take that opportunity. But also, if things go sideways, if Parrot shows that he just isn't ready for the NFL just yet, they've got Cam Fleming in their back pocket. They've got this guy they know and trust who knows the system, knows the blocking scheme, knows the offense, that he can step in immediately. I'm still in the camp of supporting Matt Parrott for this spot because even if Parrott goes out there and struggles, you're at least, and I've said this a hundred times, you're at least allowing him to grow and develop and work through his mistakes. The, the best way that you improve is through reps, and I think a lot of coaches agree with that take. A lot of scouts and talent evaluators agree with that take of being rep-oriented to, to lead towards improvements, and the best way to get those reps is straight up in game situations. And, and Chris, you already kind of touched on this. I think that Cam Fleming is, while they have publicly shown confidence for Cam Fleming, I think that's more so saying if things don't work out and maybe Parrot struggles or if something happens, someone gets hurt, they know that they can put him in there and he won't. there won't be any type of drop-off whatsoever 
if he has to go and step in for a series or even to finish off a game because he is that good of a fill-in backup. I don't know if this if this signing is, is as clear and cut uh, him being in competition for the right tackle spot. I would argue that they brought him in because they wanted someone who is going to be a very, very reliable veteran fill-in backup to not only provide some mentorship to these two young tackles, but also be able to play when they need him. Yeah, I, I think it's entirely possible that they're going to give Matt Peart every opportunity to succeed. And we might only see Cam Fleming if, for some reason, Peart is just overwhelmed and really is a liability to the offense that, you know, he needs just more play strength. He needs to, he needs a season of practice of practices to get his hand usage, his footwork, all of that up to where it needs to be to really compete at the NFL level, com- deal with NFL pass rushers. But I think the giants are going to give him every opportunity to prove to them that he can handle it, that he is their future right now. That's going to be it for this episode of the Chris and Joe show. Thanks for tuning in as always. Be sure to give us a uh, hit the subscribe button for our podcast, as well as giving us a review and your thoughts on the show. Also follow us on social media at big blue view. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon and you can follow Chris at Raptor M K I I also head to BigBlueView.com for Anything you need to know about the New York Giants. 